Everybody, once again, welcome to Studio 22, the Chad Brayton Show. Brand new episode coming to you here in the middle of tornado weather, apparently. Everybody's sending us text messages saying there's tornadoes all over the area and things like that. But hey, we're not scared. We're not scared. Sitting here in Studio 22 with the craziest dude I've ever met right here next to me, Ryan Birdman Parrot. Yeah, so we're not scared of tornadoes. More about him in a second. Party Foul Steve sitting over there in the peanut gallery. We got the barn burner over there, the man on fire. What's up? Brandon. And, of course, Puppet Master Mark and Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians. Let me ask you a question, Candice. Get the microphone there. Have you ever jumped out of an airplane? No. Would you jump out of an airplane? Yes, actually. I would go skydiving. You would? Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. If we set that up, will you do it? Yeah, I'm going to have to now. Have you ever done, like, the iFly thing with the fan? No. Where you get on top of that? That does look fun. Yeah, it's a different dynamic, but it's, yeah. Yeah, uh, I would do it. I don't know that it's fun. It reminds, when you're in that suit and you're going, if you don't get everything adjusted, it reminds you you're a man. You understand what I'm saying? That suit gets a little don't. pinchy in places. Okay. It gets a little yeah, right well, up no. there in you. Yeah. Mark, would you do it? You skydive? Yeah, I think I would do it. Oh, God, we're going to turn yeah. this thing into a party. We're going to turn go. this sucker into a party. Party foul? Oh, yeah. You Let's would? Let's do it. Now, now, wait I've been a second. trying to get you to do it for two Now, wait a second. Now. Yesterday, or on the other podcast, you said that you would never climb like Everest or... I wouldn't climb Mount Everest. Yeah. You freeze to death. <laughs> no, no. You Slowly. Said, I'm saying do it naked. He said... If you hit the ground, you're not going to know it. Yeah, well... He said 20 years ago he might have. He didn't say he never would have. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyway. Ryan Berman. Okay, first of all, you're a nut, dude. You're a nut, and I'm going to tell everybody. See, you don't think you are. No. But you're a nut. And you've jumped off of and out of pretty much everything there is to jump off of or out of at this point. Close to. you're doing it for a purpose, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. First of all, let's give some people some backstory. Navy SEAL. Yes, sir. How did you get the nickname Birdman? Great story. So, if people, if I don't want to have a conversation, I'll just tell everybody, "Hey, my last, my last name's Parrot." Yeah, <laughs> and then we just finish it. <laughs> um, 2007, 2005, riding down uh, Route Michigan, which is quite funny because I'm from Michigan, most dangerous road in Iraq in uh, 05, and we were coming back from a mission, just a random mission, and uh, we hit an IED. It was a roadside bomb, and it blew my Hummer um, off the ground, and then it blew me straight out of the turret into the sky. It was the gunner. So because, or by default, I got the nickname Birdman because I went flying, which was a good upgrade, too, because there was two new guys in the platoon, and I was Soup, and the other nickname was Sandwich. So <laughs> I got upgraded to Birdman, and he stayed Sandwich for quite some time. It was solid, solid. And it just stuck. Was that a good thing, though, with you being in the turret where you were in the case of that IED and being ejected from it rather than being inside the, the vehicle? Was that a better situation, or did that even for our situation, it was. I mean, the path of least resistance straight out. So I was the least of the injured in the car, yeah. burned shrapnel. Um, but I was very lucky. I could stand up right after the incident where I had to go render aid to some of my teammates. So, yeah, it was uh, a good deal. But, you know what, we all worked together and everybody lived. So yeah, it's a good deal. Good. And you guys were you, – you were in for eight years, right? That's right. How many tours did you do? Three. Three. Yeah, three to Iraq. And it's, so when you're doing that and, – and we know – we have some mutual friends. And, of course, we know people who have been certainly – in situations with IEDs like that, and you're riding down the road, is that constantly on your mind, or is it just another day at the office? 
I guess initially when you get on deployment, it is always the first thing you think of. It's very prevalent over there. It's the one thing that will get you that you can't figure out. Um, so on the beginning of deployments, yes, that's the heavy load. And then you start to navigate understanding where they are or where to stay away from. Um, and then you get into deployment, and then you kind of just don't care anymore. You're more about what's the mission at hand, what's the objective, let's get there, let's fight, let's come back safe, and just kind of goes out the window. And then you wash, rinse, and repeat. You come back for the next deployment, same feelings coming yeah. in. Yeah. Just makes me want to go kill people more. I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're setting up bombs. You know, you're just trying to get down the road here, and that, I mean, it just pisses you off. I'd say it. There's some really bad people out there, and that's what. It's unfortunate that our country doesn't quite understand that, but there are some very, very vicious people out there that only want to do harm to us. So it's yeah. funny to me that you know I was I saw something the other day that made me think of something on a headline like the Pope is going to going to Israel to tell Jews to love Muslims, but he won't go to Iran <laughs> to tell Muslims to love the Jews, you know? It, there's a reason he's not going yeah. over there. That's so, right. you know, and you're right. I we went. I was forced to go see the new Aladdin movie. I hate admitting it in public. <laughs> right? I hate. I don't want to. But the thing that always pissed me off about these Disney movies like Aladdin is how they romanticize Muslim culture and make it some big colorful. I mean, here she is with her cleavage, you know, and her head uncovered and, and all these bright bright colors and sounds and songs and dances and foods and, you know, all these, like, <laughs> mystical land. Well, you know, I appreciate where they you cut your that. head off. <laughs> That's right. I, I, I appreciate you bringing that to my attention because I had no idea there was another movie that came out. Oh, there's another movie. That's you, right. you can you can you can uh, skip it with my solid blessings. I posted the other day that they should have called that movie instead of calling it Aladdin. They should have just called it Jasmine because the movie's just about Jasmine. Really, and it's just a pure feminist rant. The whole movie. And it's so. Of course, I pissed everybody off. You know. Yeah, but that's what I do. I like it. That's what I do. I like it. So you, obviously, having been a burn survivor, obviously not as as severe as many of folks that we know, like our friend Crispy and, mm-hmm. and, and guys like that, but you, that kind of got on your heart, didn't it? It did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that wasn't the initial phase for me to start the organization, but it brought me back to the injury when we started talking about designing this organization. So, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, you never walk away from your wounds. That's the thing. And what we have to empower our veterans today to understand is that you should wear your wounds proudly. You should be proud of how you earn them. Um, most people won't. And so I thank you for your service for doing that. And then let's carry on. Let's keep crushing it for the next person who comes down the door that needs our help. Yeah. So it's been good. And you look at guys like Crispy Avila, and I know a lot of folks who follow us probably follow him on social media. He's got a huge following. First of all, hilarious that they gave him the nickname Crispy <laughs> after having 103 surgeries over his burns and an amputation. Of well, a before leg. that, his, yeah. his nickname was Refried Beaner. <laughs> that is just. And he's not white, so it's just like. <laughs> yeah, no. It's his last name's Avila, so you can pick up on <laughs> what you're laying down on that it's one. It's awesome. But what was. So how did you how did you start that organization? Like, what was the, what was the impetus for that and, and kind of how did you launch all of that? You know, I moved out to Dallas, uh, Texas in 2010, and I pretty much lost my meaning and purpose you know I was part of a team very elite team and getting out and then not having those assets not having that camaraderie um it just didn't have meaning and purpose and have a higher calling and it was ultimately just sitting down with a group of veterans a round table and joking about who's better rangers green berets seal whatever and of course I just sat there quiet because seals are the best you know naturally so I was like yeah okay well this one army ranger that was sitting there he wasn't talking much but then he started to add up 
or talk about his injury a little bit. And I looked right at his face, and I was like, wow, a big disfigurement. And I said, what are they doing for you guys today? And he said, look at me. And, I mean, when somebody says something direct to you like that, you're like, wow, okay, what do you got? He said, I've had three dozen surgeries. I could probably do 100 more. This is as good as it gets for me. And that was it. It wasn't my injury. It wasn't the injuries I saw overseas or any of our teams sustained. It was ultimately him saying, this is as good as it gets for me, and that's bullshit. Yeah. That is absolute crap because I know the advancements in prosthetics are way above par. They're crushing it right now. There's so many different injuries that we're working on that we're getting, we're either fixing or we're getting close to um, that we can sustain in being a veteran, first responder, what have you. But Burns hasn't been really changed since Vietnam. Mm. We're still doing the same stuff, and it's a lifelong injury. It's one of the most painful injuries. So all of this came rushing into my head the same time I was listening to him, I was looking at him. And then I thought to myself, hey, if I woke up today, or if I went to, uh, I was going to bed tonight, and I went and looked in the mirror, and then tomorrow I woke up, or I was in a coma, and then six months later I awoke, and I had no idea what I was doing in that hospital bed, couldn't understand anything, I was all bandaged up, and then they decided to put a mirror in front of my face, and then I couldn't recognize that person. How would I deal after that? How would I deal with that? And so all of that right at once came into my head. I went home that night, studied all night long on what could I do for him. Couldn't find anything to give him that was just public knowledge. No such thing as a GoFundMe site uh, back then. And so I was like, you know what? We're doing this. We're going to go big because we're team guys. We love to go to the highest level. So I accumulated a bunch of guys in Dallas, Texas, and said, we're starting an organization for burn survivors. I don't know what it looks like, but we're doing it. And right now we're in 28 states seven years later. What's the website? Sonsoftheflag.org. .org. Yep. Sonsoftheflag.org. 28 states. <clears throat> When you do something like that and you see it spread it, it and it becomes as big as it is becoming, it's got to be a little bit humbling. I mean, I've seen organizations grow and things like that, and it grows far beyond the individual. And like you said, it's a team effort. And you guys, I mean, because you're right. I think that I've seen it from my own experience where people, you go to it and you're like, okay, well, what's out there for these people? And you're like, I don't find anything. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that means the burden's on me to do this. Sure. And and you started bringing attention to the organization by trying to kill yourself, which is, <laughs> <laughs> but in a different way. You're not a typical vet. I mean, <laughs> I think my parents would agree with you. <laughs> I, I know, but so you just started jumping out of stuff and off of stuff. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it was interesting. So I, I said, how you know? First of all, burns is not a topic that people like to talk about. We don't know enough about it, or most of the general public doesn't. Um, it's a terrible injury. So you'd typically turn your head and walk the other direction. And my deal was if I see somebody who's injured, I don't care what injury they have, I'm going to walk up to them and I'm going to ask them how they earn their wounds. Mm-hmm. Whether they were vet or not doesn't matter. You get those wounds somewhere, so let's hear the story and let's see if we can do something about it. Um, and so it's about directly helping people every day. And it's, you know, it's Michael J. Fox, the actor, he said it's about being a good person. That's it. That's what we're supposed to do in life. Just be a good person, do the right thing. And so. I couldn't figure out how to solve the equation without having a multi-million dollar marketing budget of how do we make people understand what we do. So I said, all right, screw it. I'm going to jump, and I'm going to take it to extreme sports. And anytime you see a video online, they're viral. You know, they get millions of views. And so I'm like, okay, cool. If they can get millions of views, why can't we do the same thing? But instead of being a star athlete, why don't we convert that metric over to the charity? Let's put their eyes on what really matters. And that's what we do. So I jump, base jump, I, anything you consider extreme, we're going to take it, we're going to rip it apart, we're going to refashion it together and make it more extreme, and then we're going to go attack it. Yeah. People really need to look up the videos of you doing this stuff and see it. Because, like, okay, I'll jump out of an airplane. 
like I, you know, as long as I trust the person that packed the shoot, I'm I'm good to go. I think most people will do that. But you're doing things you've jumped off of. You jumped off the crane at the baseball field. Yeah. Where was that, Frisco? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're rappelling at the stadium with a dog on you. I mean, the dog didn't ask to get into this, Ryan. That's probably <laughs> The dog was like, I did not sign up for this. <laughs> that dog was probably the worst one of them all. Really? Yeah, he didn't want to do it at all. And Do nobody, you blame him? I don't know. I, I don't know. He looked pretty happy up there. The was dog, feeding him he was cute. He was good. I mean, he was cute. You know, you had him. Because I heard that you had done that, and then I said, I got to find video of that, yeah. of the dog. And... And I can see in certain situations where that could be useful and relevant, you know, if you're in a combat situation. And and so, you know, here you come, you got the dog between your legs hanging below you. Yeah. And you're rappelling down. Oh, well, this is just a disaster to begin with. So let me talk about training for a second because people understand what goes into extreme sports to get yeah. to that point. But just training with this dog. So we went out there that morning. And, of course, everybody's out there practicing. The cheerleaders are doing their thing. And so we get up there and... Uh, we go to I put the dog down before me so the dog is pretty much suspended over 100 feet above the deck and so that's the taste of let's make sure we've got him tied four or five times over Mm -hmm. well he hangs the second that I start to get myself down into position and I let myself go from the actual top the dog decides to put his two front paws in the net and I can't reach up to get him so now everybody on the field is watching us as I'm trying to mess with this dog and get him down so that's the fun stuff. That's the non-so-cool Navy SEAL stuff that happens. It <laughs> never goes to plan, but this was a disaster. That would yeah. be scary. <laughs> would, I'd kick that dog. Sucked. I mean, yeah. that dog would just have to go. That's the problem. You can't. <laughs> He's right between your legs, and if you get him pissed, he might bite. I know, right? <laughs> then you're He's a real a bad, problem. Bad oh. position. So I've repelled at uh, – we repelled at – I think the highest cliff I ever did was about 200 feet, which is daunting. It's a good rappel. I'm not a huge fan of heights Mm -hmm. as it stands. Like, I can fly on a plane, no problem. But if I'm, like, say, in a stadium somewhere and I'm on a a catwalk or precipice or something like that or on a cliff, it's a little daunting to me. I get a little dizzy. You know what I'm saying? Do you have any of that at all? I don't like landing in planes at Mm -hmm. all. That's why I've jumped out of more than I've landed in. That's funny. I don't Good like way to put it. Yeah, I don't like landing in them. I just because that's not my control. Yeah. Um, even though their pilots are amazing. Um, yes, absolutely. There is always fear every single stage of this because extreme sports are, you know, we say it's big, big mountain skills or hospital bills. So you know, it's going to happen at some point. It's just when. And when you're base jumping, you have one parachute. So if something goes wrong, you have a split second to fix it, or yeah, the worst could happen. So. Yeah, it's just about standing on that edge and then overcoming your fear because of why we do it. See, I've walked off the mountains before because I didn't feel comfortable. I'm like, you know what? Live to fight another day. I'm going to go take some time, walk down this beautiful scenery, um, take a breath, and we're going to do it again tomorrow. And yeah. so you have to be what we call big boy rules. you got to be man enough to say, I'm not doing this today. Well, yeah. you know, and you and I were, t- were talking before about how methodical you are in your approach to doing it. Not everybody's that way. And I think people have this mindset of these crazy daredevils that just jump out, pull a, pull a cord, and that's the deal. And then I imagine like that second, uh, 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 what was Deadpool movie, you know, where they're in the wind <laughs> and they're swinging around and landing in the electric wires and Absolutely. the wood chippers and stuff like that. Uh, but, I mean, Tell, talk, let's talk about that a little bit because you you were telling me you said you got some folks that are just kind of they're like hey man let's just jump yeah there is there's two sides of the spectrum there's the guys that just do it right they absolutely do it right and that's who I've really partnered with and brought in as a team uh, because I'm not the subject matter expert I'm not the best in the world I'm nothing in this sport 
but I learned from some of the best in the world. So taking all that knowledge and being able to comprise it in a way that keeps me safe and alive to continue to do these things on high levels is the goal. But then there's that other side, which I, they're certifiable fools. Yeah. I mean, they're nuts because you have to plan everything out when you're dealing with your life. You really do. You know, whether you're single or you have a family, you still have odds and you have to plan that out accordingly. So actually, I got a coach named Lee Sammartino. I uh, lives in California. He's the guy who got me into base. Mm-hmm. I'd reached out to one of my teammates in the SEALs, and I said, hey, you know anybody who base jumps? And he said, yeah, I know a guy. So I meet Lee, and this dude's just certifiable. He's wild, yeah. but he's methodical, and he knows more about the sport than most people I know. And um, it's funny. So he started training me on it, and I'm just like, I'm like the queen bee, right? I don't know, so I'm just doing what he says and trusting in him, and he keeps me safer than himself. But now it's beautiful because I'm still fit and he's lost a little bit of shape. So yeah. I fly a little bit better than him. Yeah. So now we joke, but he's still got more knowledge. But anyway, so we don't call him my uh, coach anymore because he, but he keeps me safe. So we call him my life coach. Yeah. <laughs> good point. It's a good point. And I look at folks who do that stuff. And, like we were watching, Steve, is that me and you? We were watching, we were sitting at a bar in an airport somewhere and those guys were, were they were diving. Yeah. They were cliff they were diving. Cliff right? diving. And I mean, they were, what were they like? 80, they were like, 90 feet up? 90 feet or so. Something like that, which, you know, when I think of 90 feet, I think that's the distance from between baseline, like like home plate and first base, that's 90 feet. And you're like, well, that's not that far until you get on top of that. Sure. You know, and, and you're going to do a bunch of flips and, and stuff like that and land in water. That's I don't why. know why this stuck with me, but in airborne school at the Army school, they say if you could jump from 33 feet, that's the, the threshold, then you can jump from 33,000 feet. 33 feet is really the kicker or the yeah. heights kick in. Never looked into it. Um, but I get the same sensation. If I'm standing on the edge of something and I'm looking over, um, whether I have a rig on or not, I still get that, that feeling in my stomach. Yeah. Um, but the goal is pushing it forward and doing Cause, it. Because I've watched, and I'm assuming it's a GoPro, you got the camera on you, and I can see your face when you jump. And I'm like, it's intense. Like, I can see in your face. Oh, yeah. Your business. Sure. You know, this is this is not just, hey, let's see if we land. I mean, this is business. It's not a party. No. <laughs> it's, not. it's not. And you were talking about going to Switzerland and, and jumping off the Eiger. Which is how how tall? Ten thousand feet. Ten thousand feet. Yeah. That's that's basically where people jump out of an airplane. That's, that's like exactly two thousand. That's two miles, right? Almost. That's a little under two miles. Long yeah, a little under. Up. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So it's yeah, it's very intimidating, especially when you have rock face and the rock face climbs out, or they call trestles. Yeah. So you have to get away from the object and then continue to fly away from it, otherwise you can impact. So. Well, so that's that was my next question. Is I look at those videos and I see it, and I know that the the curvature of the lens, and you can't always tell the real the way that thing is shaped. But I'm like, he's gonna hit the wall, like this, you know, like this. He's not going. He's not gonna hit the ground. He's gonna hit the side of the wall. That does run through my mind every yeah. now and then. But you know what? The beautiful thing about my GoPro setup, though, is usually you're seeing my nostril hair when I'm flying because for some reason I don't <laughs> tighten the thing down and it always falls right into my face. And so when I look at the camera, I'm like, that was a great great jumpless review and it's just looking at the right boogers here. you got the flaps oh, going <laughs> dumb and dumber right here the whole thing so well, that was the thing like the first time i ever jumped I, that was one of the things that i noticed was uh how, that cold air that rushes up your nose oh yeah yeah it's like oh it's like oh that's a shock yeah i wasn't expecting that you know um but if, have you ever done anything with those wing suits or anything like that absolutely really yeah yeah you've glided before yep if they call it wingsuit flying and most people refer to it as squirrel suiting or yeah uh, bat suits or whatnot, but it's called a wingsuit. And yeah, I, I went through a progression. So that's I guess scary. I've always thought that was cool, though. It looks cool. Yeah. They're, they're flying through the trees. Oh, it is cool. Treetops. But you got to be 50 to do it. So just so you know, <laughs> totally kidding. Uh-huh. You're telling me I look 50? What? No. <laughs> 
So wingsuiting is just another sport. You can do it in base jumping, you can do it in skydiving, but you start out in skydiving. So the, the unique thing about these sports is you don't learn it by doing it on the ground per se. You learn the basics on the ground, but then in order to really test your theory, you have to launch out of the plane. Yeah. And so that first time is your first time. And so that's pretty scary. So I got in a wingsuit, and I just uh, I hate telling this story publicly, but Come hey, on why now? So San Diego, California, Scott, uh, San Diego, and doing my first wingsuit course out there. And I had been nailing every stage of my progression with base jumping and skydiving, and it was just it was smooth and smooth. And we get to wingsuits, and I was super jazzed about this because I'm like, wow, this is cool. I get to put on the cool combat gear, and I'm going to fly around. It's going to be great. Um, I jump out of the plane, and the second I left the plane, my brain just dumped everything. And I'm thinking emergency procedures, and I'm thinking all these different things, and then it's like, oh, there's a cloud. <laughs> and I forgot all the principles. Mm-hmm. I immediately fall forward, head down, and then I go right into a barrel roll, and then I start going into a flat spin. Oh, and wow. you pick up more speed, and you continue to pick up more speed. And they call it G-lock, where you can spin so fast that you black out, and then you have a real problem. So. Yeah. I found myself on my first wingsuit flight falling at over 120 miles an hour, spinning in every access possible, trying to figure out how to get out of it. And that's a problem you don't want to be in because I'm not an expert. So trying to figure out how to fly consistently again after being in a chaotic situation, you just have to keep calm. Uh, How were you able to pull out of that? Well, I mean, thank God for the Navy, you know, to give me all the training that you just, you know that if you don't get out of it, you die. It's that simple. So you have to just breathe. You have to stop everything, close your whole body up wait for the right time, and then just try to get out of it. And that's exactly what I did. And then, of course, from there, I flew right on target. The rest of the flight was perfect. So I landed. I could have been like, oh, it's a great jump. But I landed, and I was shaking, and I was like, we're done for the day. And all your buddies were like, well, there goes Ryan. Actually, they were so good. (laughs) That's why I like jumping with these guys, because I was expecting it. That's what we do in the service. But they came up, and they just kind of gave me that look like, so how was that? Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, we're done for the day. So, like, a couple of years ago when the Red Bull guy did the thing in the balloon when he was, what, 100,000 feet up? Felix, yeah. Yeah, and he, and he jumps. He blacked out for a minute, did he, for a second? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I never talked to him about it. I wish I could. But, he, I mean, he was moving over 700 miles an hour yeah. or whatever, 900 miles an hour. I mean, that's insanity. And that's why I got such so much fame, you know, yeah. because it was so massive. And that's the goal. It's the same thing, only let's convert it to veterans, first responders, and these charities versus right. look at me. You know, yeah. so, um, but yeah, that's, that's psychopath. I will not be jumping from space. I'm probably going to jump from Mars. So <laughs> we'll see. But that's the beauty of what you, and you, you you bring up a good point. Cause we could, we could sit here and talk about jumping and doing all these things, which is fantastic. It's great. It's, it's a world that most people will never engage in. They'll never do it. They'll see it and they'll go, wow, he's crazy. Or wow, that's amazing. Or things like that. We talk about these wingsuits. I see these guys flying through the trees and I'd be like, I'd panic and hit the first tree. I'd just like, boom, there it <laughs> well, is. They, they jump from one plane and they get and land in another plane. The Frenchies? Yeah. yeah. I was like, wow. That was insane. That was yeah. really cool. Yeah. There's, there's like crazy. chromosomes missing and it's just not all, not all the wires. <laughs> Maybe. Snapping. I've never know. been tested. That would be a cool Either thing to get that tested. Or they have way more than I have going on. You know what I'm saying? Like no. they, you've got to be pretty doggone in tune and alert and have giant testicles. The testicles thing I agree with. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of make or break. But. You got <laughs> to have. But you divert the eyes and the attention off of you yeah. onto the cause. Right out of the gate. You know, so so you're you're talking about, like you said, veterans, first responders, these folks, these burn victims. And you're saying, hey, look, yes, we're drawing eyeballs and attention. 
but here's why. That's and we're right. pushing it over to that. Well, and showing people what the whole, what all it takes to really do this right. You know, yeah. they see my failures in this extreme sports, the successes. We're bringing in other guys to do this as well. We have people from all around the world that are helping me put this project together. Um, and if you want to follow the, the videos and see the extreme sports stuff, it's called birdseyeviewproject.org. So you can look that up and watch the videos. It's on YouTube under Bird's Eye View as well. Um, but to see everything that it takes to get into this um, and to see that, oh, it's not just cool. It's not another day at the office for me. I'm legitimately fearful of things. Mm-hmm. I have to learn. I have coaches around me that are a thousand times better than me. So, well, with that being said, that means I'm nothing. And so, mm-hmm. But we have a platform. Let's utilize it correctly. And the second that we start to turn eyeballs, let's convert them to we got a charity called Sons of the Flag. we got a charity called 22 Kill. we got a charity called um, Rosecrans Flooring Program, which is for firefighters. And we tell them, tell them about these organizations, and then we start to do iconic stunts around the world that are live TV stunts mm-hmm. that are going to generate buzz and awareness for these organizations and hopefully uh, funding as well. Yeah. Well, I encourage everybody, if you're listening or watching, go to sonsoftheflag.org. Go to Bird's Eye View. That's a .org too, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and go to those. Check them out. See what's going on. And get involved. Because that's the thing. You, we've, we've talked about this. You know, we've had Jake Schick on here from 22 Kill. We've had uh, Mike Ritland on here. We've had um, Chad Robichaux, Mighty Oaks. We've had um, um, Jamie Popwell with his um, you, you, putting flags out and, and things like that. So all these different veterans out there with these different causes. And I always say, if you want to get involved – there's all these different avenues to get involved. That's right. There's these places. Because last time I checked it, and it's been a couple of years, but there's like half a million nonprofit organizations that are out there that are military-based mm. or at least claim to help the military. But I'm telling you, there's a, there's tens and tens of thousands that are just not where you want to put your investment in terms of, of donating. Yeah. And, you know, it's up to you to research that. That's why I love being able to use the podcast platform to bring guys on here and say, let's talk about your story and, and you know, and it's folks of integrity like yourself and, and have a special cause. And we always encourage people, it's like, get involved. That's right. Know? That's exactly, I mean, there's, yeah. and that's to that tune, let's talk about that for a second. So there's this disconnect right now in America, right? So we have, you know, a lot of people that's just are losing hope. And I'm yeah. like, why are you losing hope? What would you possibly lose hope in America for? Think about we have. Let's just say we have 40,000, 30,000 nonprofits that are veteran first responder in America right now. Well, each one of them have funding mm-hmm. and probably say over $1,000. So you think about the number there. You think about where it all came from. So that means that all those people outside of that cared to support the veterans first responders. So when you lose hope, you should always look back and say, that's wrong because there are so many people that care about this country, care about what we do, care about the veterans first responders when they return home. So I never lose hope over this stuff. In fact, it's just our job as people in the service to be able to tell the story, share the stories yeah. and let people know you're never forgotten. These are why we do it. This is a brother of mine who um, he lost his life. He, he committed suicide this year, and he will never be forgotten. He was one of the best men I ever met in my life. And not a day goes by, I don't think about him, but the best way that I could actually live on is by honoring him and doing the best I can yeah. to support others that come through. So whether it's burns or it's mental health or it's addiction or it's amputation, Gold Star Family, whatever the case is for the injury, our organization, Bird's Eye View Project, looks at all these different charities. We vet them, and then we bring them underneath us, and we highlight them, and that's what we do extreme sports for. Yeah. So, yeah. And so we've, we're actually working right now, and we've got eight stunts lined up for the next two years, hopefully on live TV, each one of them. Nice. And they're just going to continually get bigger and more crazy and dangerous. <laughs> My wife, I hope you're not listening. <laughs> I'll pay for it later. Um, 
but all for <laughs> the real reason why. It's for yeah. the people we support. That's that's how long does it take you to get the the stunt set up? About eighteen months. Really? Yeah, eighteen months. So, so they're very high level stunts. Yeah. Um, I won't say exactly what we're doing, but a big one that we've got coming up next October, um, possibly with Travis Pastrana, and uh, possibly has a DeLorean involved. You have nothing else to say. You say Travis Pastrana, we already know you're doing crazy stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's no point in going little. Let's go big. <laughs> There's no point. You have the place picked picked out the location. Sort of. Or can you say? Sort of. Yeah, still working on it. We're still doing a lot. Of, so that's what, 18 months out, right? So 18 we months. We might have to go on location for that, Candice. Come on. Do you have to go through yeah. approval process and stuff like that? There's approval processes. There's a lot of processes, testing theories, making sure that we don't all die doing it. It's just, Insurance. Know, <laughs> yeah, we haven't so, gotten to that part yet. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be a fun one. Brother, yeah. That's going to be a real fun one. <laughs> don't ask too many uh, questions like, that involve paperwork, Steve. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're we're the, I, we're a whole forgiveness before permission organization here. Well, that's what Lee Lee, my coach, calls me. He says I'm the Wiley Coyote because I'm the guy who writes it down on a paper napkin, designs <laughs> out this Acme rocket design that's going to blow up, and then gives it to him, and he has to fashion it together in a way yeah. that makes sense that's actually doable. Um, so we do. I mean, we're a good job of being a good team to put this together, and then you know it's it's conviction, right? So. If I tell somebody I want to go do this, they're like, yeah, okay, cool. But if I can prove to you and show you through my efforts that we really mean business and it ain't about us, it's about them, yeah. we can bring people into the mix and, and hopefully have people start submitting ideas to do stunts, having them do stunts, and then make this more of a global reach where we can support charities outside the USA that are our allies. Because wars come up and we need people to fight with. Yeah. Candace, here's what I want to do. we got to make a documentary film. We're going to make a documentary film about the Birdman. I think that's a great idea. I think we yeah. should do it. We're going to get Glenn Beck money. We're coming for you, Beck. We're going to get Glenn Beck money behind this thing. It's going to be a Mercury One production. Okay. And we're going to produce a documentary film. Sounds good. Listen, I ain't kidding. This is true stuff. We could do this. Yeah. Because, uh, like, I had, God, what's his name? I had him on the podcast a couple years ago. Uh, stuntman, 40-year stuntman in Hollywood. He recreated the Snake River jump that oh, Evil yeah. Knievel couldn't sure. do. Sure. Hmm. He recreated it. Yeah. He went like four miles over the thing. I mean, like he <laughs> overcompensated. Awesome. I love it. He, he landed. No, seriously, he landed like a mile and a half over the river. I, I mean, watched it the was video. A lot of fucking, a I lot would, of rocket. I would totally do that. I know you would. I'm in. I know you would. It busted up his innards. Like there were things inside of him that ruptured. From <sighs> that, the that from might the be G's. another problem. Yeah, that might be another problem. I mean, they had him. <laughs> he had to sit for four hours, which I'm claustrophobic, right? So he had to sit in this tube not moving for like four hours while they got that whole thing put together and they shot him off like a bottle rocket right and uh then boom he's gotta he's gotta you know keep presence of mind i think he passed out for a second but keep presence of mind to to shoot that parachute out absolutely and so but he he overshot it by like a mile and a half and of course he's out there in the middle of this desert field uh, and everybody's racing to get out there. But anyway, they made a they made a documentary about that called Stuntman. And it Twin was Falls, Idaho. Twin Falls, Idaho. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were just there, as a matter of fact. And, but no, we could do this. Like, this is a thing. Benefit Sons of the Flag? I'm thinking. I'm in. This is oh, a good God, idea. he's thinking. See, that's the big thing about pushing that human, the human spirit. Yeah. And Travis talks about this, too. It's It really is. It's not Daredevil. It's not we're death seekers or any of that stuff. It's. Can you push the human spirit? Can you prove to people that you can go bigger? Yeah. So uh, for me, it's just let's take it one step further and then let's reboot and let's take it one step further and see how far we can go. We talked about – so I go back to that podcast episode that I was talking about before with the stuntman, and, and he said, look, 
we're not we're not trying to get hurt. Mm-hmm. We're doing everything to not get hurt. That's right. Like you talk about being methodical. We plan this thing out to not get hurt because hey, we got, we want to go to work tomorrow. That's right. And do this thing again, and and that's what I appreciate about this because you know you're doing something that most people can't do or would never do in order to bring attention to a cause that I think is largely forgotten because you can jump off of something, you can jump out of a plane, you can do these things, you can base jump. But the real adventure, the real daredevils are those people that are in those, getting the skin grafts That's right. and those kind of things because they've they're been. They're the heroes. Yeah, they're the heroes. Mm-hmm. They're, they've been done it. You know, they, they, they've been through all of that stuff. When we talk about Crispy, who's had 100-something surgeries. 103. And yeah. that's that's crazy. Yeah. And came through it with good spirits. I mean, that's a hero. That's right. You know? And that's exactly what we're showing them. You yeah. know, that's what we're trying to tell people. And that's the problem today is there's so many stories being told and most of it's junk, garbage. Of course, this one's awesome. Oh, of course. 100%. Of course. 100%. Yeah. Only five star ratings, folks. Bring it five or I'll come for you. <laughs> um, but the you unique- land on your house. <laughs> and then do something. <laughs> it's not over when the landing happens. That's just the beginning. It just started. <laughs> Roll this sucker up, throw down my night vision, and go. Uh, but it's just getting back to the flavor of these people, the stories are forgotten so quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. If you tell a story and it goes on social media and it stops, it goes, it airs, and then it stops. So if we can do this consistently, we can keep this in the forefront of people's minds to say, hey, these stories don't need to be forgotten. This is something that we're not going to give you a textbook on. Just listen to what people are actually doing for our freedoms or look at what people are doing above themselves, putting their family aside to do this, and they're risking it all. And some of them don't come home. Yeah. And so it's our it's our job. That's part of what we signed up for is to support and defend forever, yeah. forever, not just until service is over. Yeah, and we just observed Memorial Day. Um, Memorial Day is that hard day when you don't – you can't – you don't – like I, I've never – believed in saying happy memorial day or we celebrated memorial day we celebrated the lives that created memorial day but we observed memorial day and that's you know it's that's not about veterans that's not about active duty that's about people who died that's right gave their lives and and i've always said that america's the greatest country on the planet if nothing else uh we got men and women who are willing to get up every day put on a uniform with the willingness and the purpose and the commitment to serve and sacrifice and give their lives for our liberty and that's what makes it great. So, you know, how much more can we bring attention to that? Because we live in this, you know, it's a weird, it's a weird cultural paradigm shift that we have had after 9-11. Because, you know, before people went into the military for all different reasons, some they came out of a military family, some they wanted to go to college and they needed the GI Bill, some they couldn't get into college, some they needed the income. They just, after 9-11, folks got really purposeful in what they were doing That's because exactly they knew, it. hey, there's someone out there that really sees us as the great Satan, wants to destroy us and our way of life, and we're going to get, we're going to take the fight to them. And I have people all the time, and they can kiss my ass, who say, well, you know, these politicians got us into these useless, look, 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 look. not the time or place in my world. Look, we're talking about people who went for whatever reason, they signed up, they enlisted, and they went, and they gave themselves, it, and, and, and so many of them with the PTS and so many different things, and the, and the suicides, they're still giving themselves, mm-hmm. even after the fight, That's right. the so-called fight's going on, it's still happening. So, so I have people all the time who want to comment, well, if these politicians, and I'm like, no, 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 this, ain't the, this is not the platform for that conversation. Right. We're going to honor the guys and the ladies that went, and so... Um, to be able to do that, to be able to look at that and say these folks are in many ways still fighting that battle, that's a big thing. Man. Absolutely. That's well, what makes us great. It's, that's it. I mean, so 
to your point of you know the politicians or whoever's naysaying this stuff, I mean, there's no argument even there. Yeah, it's just squash because the bottom line is these terrorists took planes and drove them into these buildings and killed our American people. Yeah. And and in 9/11, over almost 3,000 people were killed. Yeah. And that is why I joined, just to be a small part of the overall goal to make sure that never happened again. Yeah. And that's why so many did. I mean, when I went to the recruiter station that day on 9-11, I couldn't believe how many people were there. And I was like, wow, I'm in the no right kidding. place. This is awesome. Yeah. And so in Michigan? Just, yeah. They were trying to get out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole different war zone. <laughs> Can we close the camera for a second? We need, we need to have some words real quick. <laughs> <laughs> this D could be Detroit, for dead. Baby. It could Detroit. be for dead man. Yeah, that's so Detroit. funny. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, really, there was there was a lot of people there. Sign there was up. a lot of people. It was yeah. just yeah. I mean, so I just threw my name in the hat. I said I want to do this, and it was too young. But three months later, I got to enlist, graduated high school, and went right to the Navy, and then was very yeah. blessed to go right to Buds and got to make it through the program. And the grass was greener for sure on the other side. And then we got to go retaliate. Yeah, and. You know, to make sure that never comes here. And you're with some of the most amazing men around the world. We're all from different places, different cultures, whatever it is. Um, but we come together, and that's the the real synergy is the chemistry is that we have one mission. Yeah. There's not, this is my idea, and we're going to do it this way or this. Yeah, we come collectively to an idea, but we're all goal-oriented towards the preservation of national security. Yeah. That's important. And so I say this. I wrote a book called Sons of the Flag, and I'll talk about it. But the beginning part of the book says... Lot, uh, people don't understand this, but the difference between a terrorist and a soldier, which I can't believe that I'm even explaining, but any person who wants to fight us, a terrorist and a sol- an American soldier is that the terrorists may so-called believe in their, their mission, but they don't believe in each other. Mm-hmm. That's what makes us so good and yeah. the best because we believe in each other. Yeah. We'll fight beside each other, and some of our brothers have died alongside each other. And they think all the way through that, that's heavy. So that's what makes it the best fighting force. Well, it's like you said earlier at the very beginning, he talks about it takes a team to do that. And that's why so many guys come back with severe PTS in, in certain cases in that they were a part of something, a group, and then they came home and now they're individuals. Yeah. And it's trying to cope with that and deal with that. The tribe. Right. Yeah. Jacob tribe. Schick always calls it the tribe. The it's tribe. true. It's totally true. I mean, being, being Native American, being in a tribe and then leaving the tribe and you're out on your own, you don't have that camaraderie, the chemistry. Hey, you become an orphan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the deal. And there's and you feel all alone in that thing and without purpose. That's why, you know, we're in a lot of airports, man. We see a lot of folks. And, and, and when we have the opportunity, we buy a lot of beers for a lot of guys in, in bars and airport bars that are traveling through, heading in or heading out or whatever. And most of the time they don't even, you know, Steve and I are out traveling. They don't even know we did it. And and we, we I always, you know, try to shake as many hands as we can. If I see some guy on a plane and I'm passing him on the aisle, I'll just – smack him on the shoulder he knows yeah. you know and, and it's one of those things where i i learned like i i don't i don't ever tell anybody don't say thank you for your service but it's become cliche in a big way and i think to a lot of people but the reason for me is it became those guys said don't i would go back there right now mm-hmm. and do that that's right you yeah I, I say that a lot of people say does it is it weird for us to say thank you for your service is it not at all i i appreciate it every time i hear it but if you want something to do with it just choose one person in your life, each individual. Choose one person in your life. When you go up to that veteran or first responder or whatever, you go up to them, shake their hand, say, thank you for your service. Anything I can do for you. Yeah. That's it because they just need a little understanding of what they're back to civilian life. They need to reintegrate. They need connections to figure out what the next path for them looks yeah. like. So what can I do to help? And then hold hold true to that. Keep your word, and then we'll change everything. Yeah. 
And you're exactly right. Jake Schick's always echoed that same sentiment as well. It's like, look, you could say it all you want. Now, is he copying them. me again? He's copying me again. Jake Schick's a douchebag. He thinks he because is. he lost a leg that he gets some kind of certain privilege. All the time. He's like, you know, I'm a Purple Heart recipient. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know? No. I know. And you know what? And then and these guys are so jealous of each other, too. Like, like Jeff Kyle's going to be pissed off that I didn't mention American Valor in, in his organization, like the Kyle family ever did anything. God. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Wayne, do not kill me. Wayne. Wayne, don't Good kill Lord. me. Lord. I'm going to shave his mustache off. <laughs> Wayne, we got to go to lunch, buddy. I'll come to you. Um, the um, What was I going to say? Oh, God, what was I going to say on that? You got me sideline thinking about Jacob Schick and his ugly face. I do have makeup on. Was that what you were I, thinking? Well, I do, too. <laughs> so put on a little lipstick. I'll drop you off at a drag Edit, bar. please. <laughs> Jake Schick texted me a couple of weeks ago because we just did that uh, carry the load benefit uh, this past weekend, Saturday, and... Jake Schick, he was supposed to be a part of that, and he texted me. He said, "Hey man, um, I need you to don- I need you to show up big for me, man, and donate some money so so that you know the twenty two kill team shows up. We raise more money than anybody else." And I was like, "Well, dude, I already donated like two hundred bucks," and he he's like, "Oh, dude, my bad. Thanks, man. I appreciate that." His ass didn't even show up to the benefit the other day. <laughs> Make sure this this goes out everywhere. 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 I'm like seriously, what? Did Clint Eastwood, Bradley share Cooper, it, call share you? it, share it, five star rating, share <laughs> this thing out. Jacob Schick, member of Twenty Two Kill. That's a plug for you guys. By you the way, you say that with the twenty two right over your there, shoulder. There, you can see it. You can see it at the screen right there. Yeah, there, perfect. Yeah, no, it's Jake Schick. Bless his heart, he didn't even show up. But anyway, they got. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's that's the funny thing, man. It's it's there's so many good people out there. There's so many folks who, just the thing that you just see that we're different. America is different than any other country on the planet, man. That's right. And it's it's the thing like that, and and then you got guys like you that are doing everything you can to. To do what you can, and I mean, you're risking life and limb, quite literally, to go do it. Proud of where I've where I've come from, and you know, I'm proud of what the military and and the America has made me. Yeah. So I'm gonna continue. I mean, I'm from Detroit. I'm proud of that. I'm proud to live in Texas now. I yeah. love it all. Um, but there are so many people that are harder than us, that are better than us. And if you start thinking that you're something special and you're wrong, um, you just got to be a good person and do the right thing. That's yeah. plain and simple, as easy as it gets. Yeah. And Sons of the flag, the book. Sons Talk of the about flag. the book. <laughs> Excuse me. So our first event for the Sons of the Flag. God, there's the last Sons of the Flag here. It's a good plug. <laughs> so I never intended to write a book. Um, there's just too many books coming out, and we were all kind of like, ah, should we do it, should we not? Um, but for me, it was I wanted to come out of the gate with our charity doing something iconic. And so I was like, let's do a couple jumpers. Let's bring it to the sky, bring a couple different veterans out. And then I started using my stupid brain and I was like why don't we try to get a veteran from every war from World War II to present day and all jump together wow. never been done before let's call it the legacy skydive that'd be really cool of course you can imagine how the start was so ask Iraq Afghanistan guys who served in those conflicts or wars and uh, got to Desert Storm and then got to Vietnam and everybody was like yes I'm in totally it's great each one had a story and then Korea and, and then uh, World War II and so I actually had to call you can find any World War II veteran's name in the white pages, believe it. Because they don't have cell phones, so you just pull it up. It's awesome. So I'm just so cold funny. calling so everybody. True. I'm cold calling everybody. Hello? I'm like, uh, how do I start this? I'm a veteran. Would you like to make a skydive? About, you're about 90, right? Still good? Doctors say okay? Big canopy Oh, shoot. my gosh. 
40 of them. But you know what? The cool thing is that even though every one of them right out the gate was like, well, not me. Hell no. But let me tell you my story. Mm. And so I got to hear all these different stories. And after 40, I was like, okay, there's got to be a different way to do this. Yeah. So I called the American Legion. I was like, hey, find me a, a World War II veteran who wants to jump out of a plane. You got an hour ago. And, of course, the guy on the other phone, <laughs> what? Yeah. So, and then I ended up finding Korea, um, who was a paratrooper um, and Korean War Army Ranger, Distinguished Service Cross recipient. And then we found a guy out of Detroit who is a B-17 ball turret gunner, 27 combat missions in World War II, never left the, left the plane. And he said, you know what, I'll do it. And that right there was everything because, you know, greatest generation, it is absolutely the greatest generation, but to show that... He was 88 years old and said yes, that he never stopped serving his country. He was asked by somebody he didn't know in a completely different state, didn't know anything about it, and he flew out to us to make the, the leap of faith. Wow. And so we put this jump together. We executed. There's a video on YouTube called Sons of the Flag Legacy, and it's the 10-minute video that talks about each one of these guys in the lead-up to the jump. Well, after the jump was over, I'm, I'm bawling, man, because we worked so hard to put this together, and it was a great, successful event. And I was like, you know what? I don't know enough about each guy we jumped with. Let's put it down. And so we got with a ghostwriter, very dear friend of mine, Rob, actually funded it, and we put the book together called Sons of the Flag, and it talks about the last 100 years of service. And it's not about what we do, because that's something that everybody talks about. It's why we do what we do. That, that's the quintessential thing everybody needs to know. Why do we risk our lives? Why do we do this? Why do we join? Why do we fight? And so instead of me answering the question, because I can't answer for everybody, Let's let a veteran from every single war since World War II answer their question. So wow. it takes you back 100 years, and we have two 9-11 firefighters there as well who That's give their great. piece on it. So I'm the narrator in the book, and it's it's an easy read. You can pick it up on Amazon, written by a fifth grader. So it's a lot of scratch and sniff, coloring, the works. So definitely There's even up. blank pages you can draw your own pictures. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I forgot oh about that. God. Volume two coming soon. That's a good book. That's great. I, dude, I, I, I'm going to get my hands on that book. I, I actually, it shows you my research. I, I didn't know about the book. So I'm going to get the book. I, that's great. That's a fantastic idea. Well, we were near a bestseller right, in the I'm first couple you. days. I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Totally kidding. <laughs> Folks, I want you to go to sonsoftheflag.org. And, and listen, I know, I know how many people watch this and listen to this. And I know how pissed off you get at guys taking a knee at the national anthem and, you know, the flag burning and desecrating the flags and, and these kind of things. And we had a we had a legislator. God, where was this douchebag the other day that we talked about? He said, you know, I'm not here for that rag. You know, he came in here talking about passing legislation. And he stood up on the on the state house floor and said, you know, every time I come in here, I shouldn't have to be subjected to this. I'm not here for that rag talking about the flag. I'm like, I know that make, makes our folks mad. And so get on sonsoftheflag.org, see what Ryan's doing. It's it's legit. I mean, it's legit. He's putting putting his money where his mouth is, putting his body where his mouth is, so to speak. And we're going to make a documentary. I'm, I'm all in, Candace. We're going to do this. We're going to get Glenn Beck money. We're coming for you, Beck. Come on. Coming for you, Beck. Dude, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having thanks me. Thanks for hanging out. I appreciate out. you giving us this uh, platform to tell everybody what we do. I believe in it, man. I 100% believe in it. And... Uh, <clears throat> who knows we might have an event here before long where we show up just be like let's go hang out with the bird man bring it on <laughs> bring it on and if you google me you'll if you type in Birdman, google me it's great you're either going to find a rapper or you're going to find a basketball player so take your shot <laughs> which one ever they're both great um and if you do meet them ask them for a donation for sons of the flag that'd be great there you go perfect <laughs> perfect sons of the flag.org birds eye view.org go check them out ryan birdman parrot go check it out 
Stay in touch. Watch the videos. You'll love them, okay? For Studio 22 and everyone sitting here in the middle of our storms, I guess, are raging outside, right? Mm-hmm. Are they? Yeah. I know that, that while you were talking, my little weather notification kept popping up, popping up. We may be dead. I don't know. I think it was an amber alert for your car. <laughs> you might want to check that. Hey, listen, after this week, who knows? I, my cars, I, I've got three vehicles, and all three of them have been in the shop. I had two rental cars at the house. It, 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 when it rains, it pours, no pun intended. So, Ryan, thanks for coming on. Hey, guys, tune in again. We're going to be back with you here at Studio 22, the Chad Prather Show. Do, do go and subscribe. Watch us on YouTube and wherever podcasts are offered. Leave us a review. Only five stars. That's all we'll accept because we're winners here, and we love you all. God bless. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.